0: In his 2006 biography released here in brazil in portuguese of course by the official press of the, the state of sao paulo producer Ari fernandes says quote we sold the curral de mulheres amazon jail for english speaking viewers to a chinese man who took it to china he took the negatives to china i've never seen the film anymore now it is lost we don't have anything that's just the history end quote now who was this chinese man Did he work for the German company Atlas? Or did he really take it to China, took it to China? We'll never know. We only know that in the same year the book was released, uh, Blue Underground released a very good looking DVD of the movie with the English audio track. And now in 2023, Vinegar Syndrome is releasing it on Blu-ray in its original aspect ratio and looking even better. So we have more questions than answers and some will probably never be answered. Let me introduce myself. My name is Fabio Veloso. Uh, I'm recording in June, 2023. Uh, I'm for the the present. As for the present, I'm the head of of documentation for the movie archives of the Museum of Modern Art in Rio de Janeiro. But uh, I've been a movie preservationist for more than 10 years now. Uh, I've written a book. With uh, two friends, the biography of a uh, Italo-Brazilian actor Antonio D'Esteffe, A.K.A. Anthony Steffen. Uh, I've done uh, two documentaries, one about the director of photography Antonio Melianji, uh who worked a lot on Boca do Lixo, and we're going to talk a lot about about Boca do Lixo and its personal. Uh, and I also did a, a miniseries series both both as a researcher and screenwriter about Boca do Lixo. It's called Boca do Lixo, a Bollywood Brasileira, the Brazilian Bollywood. And I hate this title anyway, but it was the, it was the title and uh, I was very satisfied with the result, but not, not with the title. But I've been a researcher of this, of these films and it's personal. I've, I've talked uh, uh, with a lot of these people, producers, actors, many of them have passed away, such as Arif Fernandes has passed away, Oswaldo Oliveira has passed away, uh, Alfredo Palacios, the other producer, passed away, Infi- anyway. Uh, and my idea here is to talk, uh, as to, d- to give a, uh, an introduc- introduction about uh, what was Boca do Lixo to English-speaking viewers, uh, what exactly means the, the, uh, uh, the word Boca do Lixo, in its literal translation is mouth of trash. Anyway, but uh, to give an idea of what, what it was and uh, uh, how these people met in, the, in a, in a r- relatively small area in São Paulo to make movies. Uh, very different people, and uh, to talk about the, the people who are responsible for this movie. Uh, Ari Fernandes, producer, Alfredo Palacios, producer, Oswald Oliveira, photographer and director, uh, Vanessa Alves, one of its leading actresses, uh, and a couple of other actors, such as the one we are seeing now, Maurício Duvalli, who, by the way, is dubbed by uh, Nick Alexander. If you are a fan of uh, Italian horror films, you notice that, uh, that his voice is extremely familiar uh, he was the voice of all Cleaver in all Lucho Fultz films. Anyway, but I'm going to talk about, the, about these movies. I'm going to talk about a little bit. It's just a brief overview because uh, uh, in 93 minutes, which is the duration of uh, Amazon Jail, uh, I can't give you an, uh, an entire Brazilian uh, history of cinema. In, it's not my intention. But anyway, uh, just to give an overview of these people and uh, what was Boca do Lixo. And now now we're, we're, uh, we're looking at Elizabeth Hartmann, uh, who was a very uh, talented actress, and uh, she had a long career uh, uh, before doing Curral de Mulheres in 1982, which was the, the, the year of the, fil- the, the, the film's release. Anyway, uh, after this introduction, I would like to talk first about uh, 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 what was Boca do Lixo. Uh, uh, Boca do Lixo uh, uh, actually translates as mouth of trash, as as I've told you. Uh, It's a small area, relatively small area in downtown São Paulo. I'm speaking from Rio. It's a different state in Brazil. Uh, But it's a relatively small area in São Paulo, uh, which briefs cinema since the 20s, since the mid to late 20s. And why is that? Uh, Boca do Lixo, this area, Uh, was surrounded by two train stations, uh, Estação da Luz, Luz Station, and Estação Soyocabana, Soyocabana Station. And these train stations were used to ship film copies to the interior of São Paulo. So what happened? Since the 20s, the the American companies, the the major American companies, uh, they established offices in that region, which were close to to the train stations, and, uh, and later they were followed by some Brazilian companies. At, at first, only dis- uh, distribu- distribution uh, and much, much later, film production. Uh, when we talk about film production in Boca do Lixo, we're talking about the 60s and I'm going to talk about more about it later. Uh, why, why is it called the mouth of trash, uh, which is a term that many people uh, 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 who produced and directed films over there, they didn't like the term uh, boca do lixo, mouth of trash, because they complained that our films are not trash, and I understand them. They prefer the term boca do cinema, uh, mouth of cinema. But it was called mouth of trash because it was always a region of prostitutes, uh, thieves, corn men, producers, intellectuals, film critics, all living in the same space, and all striving to make their living some of them the majority of them try to make movies most of the time out of nothing on very low budgets so uh, it, it was a place where people breathed cinema uh, and very different people intellectuals uh, con men people who were who who were only interested in, in becoming stars or in becoming producers uh, overnight uh, anyway that was boca do lixo But to, to understand Boca do Lixo, uh, we must go back a little bit uh, in the history of Brazilian cinema. Uh, in a time when our our characters, our main characters, Ari Fernandes, Alfredo Palacios, Oswaldo Oliveira, when these people met for the first time, which is, which was about 30 years uh, before this movie, uh, these uh, three guys they they knew each other 30 years before this movie. Uh, and to explain uh, uh, that moment in Brazilian cinema and what led to the, uh, to the establishment, to, to the creation. Creation is not the exact word, but the, to, the, to, the, to Boca do Lixo, to uh, why Boca do Lixo happened. Uh, what happened was in the late 40s, uh, the Brazilian bourgeoisie, the elite Brazilian elite, decided to invest in arts. In Rio de Janeiro, for example, uh, in 1948, there was the creation of the, the, the uh, Museum of Modern Art here in Rio, where I'm speaking from right now. Uh, in Sao Paulo, it was not different. Uh, there was the creation of a Museum of Modern Art, another Museum of Art, and a part of the, of the Sao Paulo industrialists, the, the elite, the Sao Paulo elite. Uh, first, they created the TBC, which was the Brazilian theater, uh, Comedy Theater, Teatro Brasileiro de Comédia, And later they decided to invest in cinema. First, uh, this man who was was an industrialist, an Italian industrialist, who was an immigrant called Franco Zampari, he created a film company called Veracruz in 1949, uh, which was this kind of totally megalomaniacal dream. Uh, Anyway, he created uh, uh, Veracruz in 1949, which was very much inspired in the model of the Hollywood Studios. They had four studios, if I'm not mistaken. They were located in a district, in another, in another district near near São Paulo. Uh, and following the, the example of Veracruz, other, other people followed suit, as was the case of Mario Aldrá, who created Maristela films, and later Mar- Mario Tivelli, who created multi-films. So basically, there were, there were these, these three attempts in the, the late 40s, the beginning of the 50s, of, the, of the trying to create an industrial Brazilian cinema. What these people forgot was that they, they focused a lot on production, but they forgot about distribution and exhibition. And all of them failed in just a few years. They folded their activities in a few years. But Cruz, for example, uh, Zampari, uh, to create Veracruz, he bought the best equipment, he bought uh, film personnel from, from England, for example, he bought, he bought uh, uh, the, the editing man, his editing man in Veracruz was Oswald Raffin-Richter, who earned an Oscar, who, uh, who edited The Third Man, Carol Reads, The Third Man, and the head of, of uh, production in Veracruz was a Brazilian director called Alberto Cavalcanti, Alberto Cavalcanti had a brilliant career in Europe. Uh, He had had directed films in in France. Uh, He was associated with the surrealist movement in France. Uh, He knew the the, the main French intellectuals. Later, he went to England, where he became an acclaimed filmmaker in England. Uh, He was part of the GPO film film unit during the Second World War. And uh, and directed several other fiction films, too. Uh, Went the day well. Uh, kind of very interesting black comedy set during the, the World War Two, And to most horror fans, the episode in Dead of Night, the best episode of Dead of Night, uh, the one with Michael Redgrave, was directed by Alberto Cavalcanti. And Alberto Cavalcanti returns to Brazil uh, because he believes in the, the dream of Veracruz. It doesn't last long. And, uh, uh, but anyway, in the equipment was bought, Film personal was bought, top photographers, uh, uh, top lighting men and uh, it became a school for several Brazilian uh, technicians. Uh, Not for technicians, also for actors too, but uh, uh, because they were seeing conditions that uh, uh, were totally unavailable in Brazil at that time. Uh, I mean professional studios, uh, professional sound equipment. Uh, old cameras, but uh, still they, they worked uh, basically with uh, Super Parvô cameras or Mitchell cameras, but uh, 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 technicians were seeing this for the, the first time. So Ver, Cruz, Maristel, and films were actually film schools for Brazilian technicians. And uh, in this scenario, uh, uh, in this ambient, uh, comes, for example, Alfredo Palacios and Ari Fernandes, two of our, of our main protagonists. Uh, Alfredo Palacios was a lawyer, uh, he was already, uh, uh, he was a cultured man, uh, he had, a, uh, at that time it was not common for, uh, for uh, Brazilians to have a, a, a superior degree, a, a college degree, and uh, Alfredo was a lawyer. Uh, he was a man that was interested in the politics of cinema, uh, he was interested in film criti- criticism, and uh, he was the head of production of Maristela Films, the one that I mentioned, uh, that came uh, a, few, a few years be, uh, after Vera Kugish. Uh He was head of production of Maristela, also directed films there. And uh, when he was head of production, he employed, uh, he, he accepted a, a, a young man called Ali Fernandes to be uh, uh, an, uh, another, another man in the, the payroll of, uh, of Maristela. Aí Fernandes first was a, a production assistant, basically he was getting coffee from one place to, to, to the other, and later he became a, 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 a real pro, a production assistant, and, uh, and much later, and uh, in, that, in, a, in, a, in a big coincidence, uh, he became uh, an assistant director. It was in a film called Mãos Sangrentas, directed by an Argentinian director, Carlos Hugo Christensen, who was very talented. Ari Fernandes, uh, uh, when I talked to Ari years ago, uh, uh, and uh, in his biography too, he mentions that, that Christensen was his uh, movie guru. He, he learned uh, uh, most of the, the stuff that he, that, uh, at that time from Christensen, who directed films all over Latin America, in Brazil, in Argen- his native Argentina, and other countries, so Colombia. I think he directed in Colombia too. Anyway, uh, this film, Monsangrentas, which translates as bloody hands, was a very violent film for its time, which was quite uncommon. It was a co production. Uh, it, it starred a Mexican actor, Arturo de Cor- Cordova. And more important, it was a prison film. Not a whip, not a women, women in prison film, but it was a prison break film oh uh, shot in an island. Uh, so these two men met uh, in the 50s in a prison film, uh, which is quite a coincidence. But anyway, uh, they became fast friends. Uh, and they worked together for quite some time. Most important, uh, both Ari and uh, and Palacios, uh, they were involved uh, in a landmark of of, uh, Brazilian TV, which was a TV series, the first Brazilian TV series was created by Ari Fernandes and uh, Alfredo Palacios. It was called Vigilante Rodoviário, which translates Crew translations as the Highway Patrolman, the Highway Patrolman, uh, which was the story of a, of a Highway Patrolman Carlos and his dog Lobo, who, uh, who fought against criminals, thieves, and uh, uh, anyway, uh, it was sponsored by Nestle, uh, which was a, 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 a still is a, a, a big company. It ran for thirty nine episodes, which it, it was shot on film. It played on Brazilian TV in Tupi uh, TV, TV Tupi. Uh, 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 one of the leading uh, channels of the time. There were not many, but uh, 2P was, w- w- was one of the most important. And uh, uh, it was a huge success. Uh, not, it was the first of its kind, it was the first Brazilian series, and it was a huge, huge, huge success. Later they, just like the, uh, uh, the, Green, La- the, the Green Lantern films with Br- uh, series with uh, uh, Bruce Lee, they, they joined episodes of the series to release as, as films in the in the, the movie theaters, and it was also a success. Anyway, uh, after the the after uh, O Vigilante Rodoviário, Highway Patrolman, uh, a few years later, they uh, Palacios and the uh, Fernandes they part ways. They went separate. Uh, they went separate ways. Uh, and Palacios did another. Al uh, uh, Fernandes did another uh, series called Águias de Fogo. But it, it, this time, instead of a, of a highway patrolman, it was about um, uh, uh, Brazilian aeronautics. Uh, the uh, It was all shot in the, the airports of Brazil with planes. And uh, uh, it didn't work out as, as much as O Vigilante Rodoviário. Uh, Palacios continued to continue to produce. Uh, and House also worked as a lawyer uh, working outside the uh, uh, cinema. Uh, But later, uh, he became a partner. In the 60s, he became a partner of a man called Antonio Paulo Galante, who we will also talk about. But anyway, uh, after the the failure of the the big studios, the big Brazilian studios, if we can call it big, I mean big, uh, uh, if we're talking about the Brazilian standards, not the American ones, of course. Um, uh, After the failure of these studios, most of these technicians were unemployed. Uh, and and anyway, as, as they all gathered around a couple of bars that were uh, uh, in downtown Sao Paulo. First they gathered in a bar called Costa do Sol, and later in a bar called Soberano, uh, to talk about when I, when, when I, where can I get work. Anyway, uh, based on that, uh, we had a bunch of uh, now trained but unemployed film technicians the uh, several uh, uh, measures that were uh, uh, created by the government to try to sponsor the Brazilian film industry, uh, there was the uh, there was a law that uh, obliged movie theaters to screen a, a, a minimum of uh, of days of Brazilian films. In 1969, for example, uh, the number of days that uh, uh, Brazilian films had to be screened in the In in a certain in a certain cinema, was elevated to 63 days uh, a year, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, There was the creation of uh, the Instituto Nacional do Cinema, the National Institute for Cinema. Uh, The creation of the uh, Adicional de Bilheteria, which was, uh, 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 for example, if your if your film had a a certain amount of uh, spectators and uh, uh, had a uh, next growth. Uh, he received an additional uh, for, the, for its success. Anyway, all these measures, uh, together with, the, uh, with all that mess that was trained, created kind of an environment for film producers to, to establish themselves and be- begin and to, and to begin create uh, films. And Boca do Lixo was this place. Uh, film production companies started popping up together with the, the American majors, as, I, as I've mentioned before. And uh, especially by the late 60s, uh, from the mid to late 60s, it was the, 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 the boom, the, real, the, the recreation of Boca do Lixo, where everybody was gathering at Soberano, who was a very important bar. Soberano, you can translate as sovereign, but it was a bar where everybody from the world of cinema met, actresses, screenwriters, directors, prostitutes, as I told, Conman, thieves, everybody met there. Everybody had, uh, had his own screenplay, who was sure to be a big success. And uh, sometimes deals were made on the napkins, or sometimes they were made on the, the offices who were very, very, very close. And one of these offices in the late 60s, in 69, uh, was the office of Alfredo Palacios, and uh, his partner at the time was a man called Antonio Paulo Galante. We'll talk a bit uh, about Galante, who was not involved, Galante was not involved in Amazon Jail. The movie we're watching right now. Uh, but Galante is an important figure because he was the absolute king of the Brazilian whip films, the Brazilian women in prison films. Uh, Galante was a he was an orphan. Uh, he was raised in a almost a prison. He called he called in his biography, he wrote a, bi- a biography called The Blue Ticket, O bilhete azul. Uh, in Portuguese and the blue ticket in English, but he wrote his biography, and uh, he's still he's still alive. Galante is still alive. He wrote his biography, and he calls that uh, that uh, until 15 uh, 15 years old or 18 years old, he basically lived in a prison. Uh, he was not a, a, a minor infractor, he, he 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 didn't steal anybody, but he was an orphan, and he, and he was placed in, in, in this uh, he was put in this place where he could not live. And uh, he was not educated, uh, he was not, uh, uh, he, did, he could not read, he could not write until 15 years old, uh, 16 years old. Uh, he watched his first movie when he received the blue ticket, hence the, the, the title of the book. Uh, and he watched his first movie, which was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he mentions in the book, uh, was a, a, a film from, from, a short movie from Chaplin and later a Roy Rogers movie. And okay. he fell in love with movies. Um, later he, he got into also in one of the studios to, to work as a uh, one of the studios, no, he, he worked in Maristela, he, he went into Maristela. In Maristela he met Alfredo Palacios, a central fi- uh, figure of our history, uh, because Alfredo, as I told you, was the, the head of production of Maristela. And Galante enters uh, Maristela cleaning toilets, uh, making coffee, and uh, later learning how to be an electrician. And uh, this was the beginning for him. Uh, A few years later, he leaves Maristela, but he he ends up being a a, a top electrician, and later a a camera assistant. And that's why he he enters into the the movie world. And by 1969, uh, uh, several years later, he formed his partnership with Alfredo Palacios. They had a company called you Servicini, uh, which was located right uh, in front of Soberan. Uh Servicini was created, uh, and that's how Palacios and the uh, uh, Galante uh, um, uh, formed their partnership. It lasted until 1976, uh, where they f- they had a. a, a, a not exactly, they, they, none of them called a fight, but they argued uh, especially about, uh, 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 they went to, uh, to Teheran, to, to do the captain of Iran, to, to a film festival, and uh, Alfredo Palacios wanted to, to go to Europe to, to watch movies, to, 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 to bring it, and uh, uh, Galante was against it anyway. Uh, they, they had a fight and they ended their partnership. Galante, when, pr- when, when he begins to produce films for himself, in 1977, 76, actually. Ah, uh, one, one thing that's very interesting. The last movie produced by, released, not produced, by the last movie that was released by Servicini was a flop. But for some reason, it became very famous in, uh, in several publications. I remember, I, I think I read it for, for the first time, probably in Pete Tombs, Mondo Macabro, uh, which is a seminal book, of course. But the, the last semi Senior uh, production to be released was Kung Fu Contra as bonecas in Portuguese, which in English became Bruce Lee versus Gay Power. I never knew where that, t- that title came from, if it was released in any format under that title, but it was a spoof of of uh, of Kung Fu, the series with Dave Carradine, uh, a very funny spoof. But at the time, it was a flop uh and also but anyway when it was released i think they, they it was released as a as a service production but at the time uh, uh they were already separate ways another interesting thing uh now uh, making a scene specific commentary the the planes that we see fly in the in the movie uh they were all piloted by ari fernandes the producer he taught the the the, the leading man uh which is uh Arnaldo Fern- Arnaldo uh, Fernandes, probably. I think so. Uh, the, leading, the, the leading man of the film, but he didn't learn, so he, uh, Ari Fernandes doubled for for the flights. Uh, anyway, uh, when you see a plane in the film, it's Ari that, that, it, that it's piloting. Oh Just a few months after oh, no. Servicini uh, mm-hmm. sees its activities, uh, Galanti mentions, I think it's an interview he gave to two journalists from São Paulo, Uh, Gabriel Carneiro and Rodrigo Pereira, Rodrigo was my co-author in the Anthony Stephan book, by the way. Uh, And they did a a kind of a a visual document where Galante talks about his career. If I'm not mistaken, this info comes from this interview. Uh, Galante was in a a cinema in São Paulo and remembered he watched a a, a, a women in prison film. He doesn't mention which title it was, he did. I think he didn't know what title was, and uh, Galante was a very, very smart man. He knew money. Uh, uh, when he looked at a poster or an international success, uh, he smelled money. Palacios was. If you if you could compare Gal- uh, Galante and Palacios, uh, a kind of uh, not exactly, but uh, it would be kind of a uh, James Nicholson Palacios and Sanakov uh, would be Galante. Uh, uh Palacios was uh, the, the more intellectual, the more refined, and Galante was the, the guy who had a real connection to the, to the moviegoer. He, he smelled money, and he smelled where, where, he, could, uh, where he, could, he, could, he could earn a, could earn, uh, a good re- recipe for his films. Uh, anyway, he watched a, a, a whip film. He doesn't know it was, it, it was not Brazilian, of course, but he watched uh, he, he Thinks it was a French movie. I don't know, but it gave him the the idea of producing whip films in Brazil, women in prison films in Brazil. At that time, it was 1977, 76, 77. So we we were by far we are not we we are not pioneers in whip films, women in prison films. But Galante, who was the 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 leading producer of women in prison films. He produced, uh, I think, 10 women in prison films, starting in 70, 76 or 77. And uh, the last one was 19, 1987, which is also going to be released by Vinegar Syndrome, which was Prisoners at Selva Amazonica, directed by Conrado Sanchez, uh, which weirdly, and uh, don't ask me why, was released by Atlas, as Amazon Jail 2, as a sequel to this film. It has nothing to do with this film. It has a, a, a Vanessa Alves, is, is, is a common actress in both, uh, but it has absolutely nothing uh, to do with this movie. The story is not the same, the character is not the same. But anyway, it was called Amazon J2. And this was the uh, Antonio Paulo Galanti's last Women in Prison film. Uh, so basically, uh, Galanti uh, uh, smells much like the Italian producers. Uh, 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 who's, who, who saw an, uh, an American success or, or uh, uh, an international hit and copied. And that, that's what Galanti did. Uh, sometimes he watched the movie, sometimes he didn't. Uh, he knew that there was a movie was who, who was, on hold, uh, who was uh, uh, still prohibited by the censorship. We were at that time Brazil was under a military dictatorship. So he, uh, uh, sometimes he did not see the movie or watch it. For example, there is a very interesting story. In 1980, uh, Galante releases a film called uh, uh, "A Filha de Emanuele, which translated as Emanuele's Daughter," with Vanessa Alves, who will be watching in this movie uh, in its second half. Vanessa is not re- is not in the, in, this, in this part of the movie. But uh, what happened? Galante was in France. And uh, during his stay in France, he was mad to see Emanuele with Silva Cristel, the Just Jacquin mega hit, international mega hit. So if it was a hit there, well, I had to do an Emanuele film. And he did. It was called Emanuele's daughter, a filha de Emanuele. At first, it was called to be Emanuele's mother. But I don't remember when mother became daughter. Anyway, it was the first movie of Vanessa Alves. We're going to, we're going to talk later about uh, Vanessa too. Uh, so. Anyway, just the, the whip movies in Boca, the women in prison movie, movies in Boca, they were just a part uh, of that uh, environment because uh, Boca produced uh, uh, all kinds of uh, genre cinema, ba- basically, uh, produced horror films, uh, as you know, Coffin Joe, Jose Mojica uh produced westerns, sometimes even located in the, in the United States or in the border of Mexico. Uh, we had, for example, Tony Vieira, who was an actor who who loved Westerns and uh, produced thrillers, uh, produced the erotic comedies. The erotic comedies were the the mainstay uh, of Boca do Lixo. In Brazil, the erotic comedies were were known as pornochanchadas, which is a very... uh, uh, it's not a a very uh, correct adjective. But anyway, pornochanchadas, porn, of course, pornographic, which they weren't. Uh and Chanchadas because of a Brazilian genre that was very popular in the, the 40s, uh, which they also did didn't have a lot in common. So Porno Chanchadas was not a very correct adjective, but anyway it's used until today. And so Boca produced horror films, westerns, thrillers, porno chanchadas, uh, uh, Galante, for example, uh, in 1972, for example. Uh, produces a film called, uh, directed by Osvaldo de Oliveira, the director of Amazon J, O Corral de Mulheres. He, uh, Osvaldo de Oliveira directed a movie for a galante called "Roga Deus e mando bala, which translates as Pray to God and Shoot, which was uh, uh, sold as uh, an Italian western. Oswaldo de Oliveira signed the film as Osvaldo Oliver to try to give, a, 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 a anglicized, anglicized his name, just like the Italians use the pseudonyms. Uh, so th- that, that was quite quite common in Boca, and at the same time they also had the, the uh, underground filmmakers, filmmakers, experimental filmmakers. and Galante, for example, was also uh, producer of films of Walter Hugo Kuri. And uh, Cui, for example, was kind of a uh, Brazilian Antonioni or Brazilian Bergman. And he was also produced by Galante. It's quite, quite, quite schizophrenic, but uh, Galante knew that uh, uh, Cui worked with beautiful women, great actresses and, and, and very beautiful women, and he knew that he had hits. So he produced uh, 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 Walter Hugo Cui's films. He produced Carlos Raixemba films. Raixemba was, was one of the most important Brazilian filmmakers, uh, He produced a huge hit for for Carlos Raixemba, which was a political film disguised as a porno A Ilha dos Prazeres Prohibidos, uh, The Island of Forbidden Pleasures. Uh, Galante produced everything, as did the others. For example, Ari Fernandes, the producer of this film, he directed a, a, a film by the Brazilian comedy icon, Mazarope. Mazaropi uh, uh, was a very famous Brazilian com, com, uh, comedian, and he also uh, uh, directed, uh, uh, he, he, uh, he directed a, a film for Mazaropi called a pistola for Jeca, a pistol for Jeca, which was a spoof of Django, uh, with Mazaropi as the, the main shootist. Uh, anyway, these spoofs were very common. Uh, there is an- also another—I'm f- not saying famous—but a, a film that I've seen in international magazines that is commented, uh, that is commented, uh, that, is commented uh, that is mentioned, uh, which is Bacalhau, uh, codfish, in its translation, which was a Jaws spoof, uh, which was uh, a, a money maker at the time directed by the same man, Adrian Stewart, who directed Kung uh, Fu Contas Bonecas, Bruce Lee versus Gay Power. Anyway, so book was this, this um, place for incredible creativity. Uh, 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 and all these different people together working to make all these genre movies, uh, underground movies, uh, short movies, uh, experimental movies. Uh, anyway, all of them working together. About the, the the whip movies uh, and how they turned up quite late in Brazil, uh, you know, whip whip movies uh, uh, have been. Uh, I mean, we have whip movies since the, the since the dawn of cinema. We have uh, whip movies, women in prison movies from the from in, the, in silent cinema, uh, from the twenties, the thirties. Uh, I think w- w- what we're trying to say uh, when we talk about how uh, do uh, we we're trying to we're talking about. a uh, uh, kind of whip, whip movie uh, that that, uh, surfed, that uh, was created in the 60s. Uh, I see, for example, uh, 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 99 Women by Jesus Franco as a, as a landmark of the, the, of the whip movie, uh, produced by Harry Allen Towers, Mr. Towers of London himself, who later shot a film here in Rio, The Girl from Rio, which was shot here in the Museum of Modern Art, with George Sanders and uh, Shirley Eaton. Uh, and uh, uh, 99 Women w- w- was quite a landmark for me. I think that, uh, uh, most of them used uh, 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 99 Franco's film as a blueprint. Uh, for example, there, there's an Italian book, which I like, uh, and uh, uh, it's Gian- Gianluca Castoldis. Gianluca Castoldis uh, is a in Prigione, a naziste horror e fantascienza, thriller de Camerone, film exotic, uh which was uh, uh, edited by Profondo Rosso. Dai uh, Agence Bookshop, uh, uh, which is uh, uh, run by Luigi Cozzi. I like this uh, this book a lot, uh, and I think uh, Castoldi is also correct when he mentions that in Italy, uh, because I, I mean, Franco's, Franco's film was a, a production between several countries, the, the, the way Harry Allen Towers always did. Uh, but uh, in Italy, Rino Di Silvestro, he had a, he had an important participation. Uh, with his 1972 film Diario Secreto da Una Cártere, which in the United States was Women in Cell Block 7, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, uh, beginning with *Hino di Silvestro's uh, film in 1972, there was a, also a, a huge load of, of, of Italian uh, whip films in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, uh, in Italy, we, we had a subgenre of the subgenre. For example, we had the Nazi, Nazi exploitation films which were, which were uh, uh, quite characteristic of Italy. Uh, we didn't have a Nazi exploitation film here. The, the closest we had was a Tony Vieira film, uh, uh, which was uh, which was located in a, in, a, in a kind of a Nazi camp that was located in Brazil by Nazi refugees. But it was not a Nazi exploitation film, far from that. Uh, uh, the Nazi exploitation phenomenon was very characteristic of, of, uh, of Italy beginning, with uh, Tinto Brass' Salon Kitty. Uh, But I think that the the, the Brazilian whip film, uh, and we have have two kinds of of whip movies here in in Brazil. We have the the whip movies that really take place in prisons. Uh, For example, the first Galante movies, and also probably the granddaddy of the the Brazilian women in prison movies, which is A Prisão, uh, Bear Behind Bars, also directed by Oswald de Oliveira, Our Man, the director of Corral de Mulheres, Bear Behind Bars was sold everywhere in the world. Uh, I remember that uh, Blue Underground also released it on DVD, uh, also under the, the Atlas logo. Uh, so it was sold everywhere. Uh, I remember Galante in an interview, uh, probably the same interview I, co- I mentioned before, that uh, he, didn't saw, uh, he didn't get a lot of money from the, from the uh, women in prison films that only the, only the foreigners uh, uh, got the money from these movies, that he saw the, his, the, they sold it everywhere, and he didn't see a penny. And I remember him co- complaining about that. Is it true? I don't know. But uh, uh, I re- he complained about that. Uh, anyway, uh, the, Brazilian, uh, the Brazilian whip movies, they have the, the, the ones that are located in prisons, uh, such as the one I mentioned, and also the jungle prison uh, 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 movies, such as Curral de Mulheres. Amazon Jail, and As prisoners of da Selva Amazônica, Amazon Jail 2, uh, directed by Conrado Sanchez, uh, which was shot after uh, almost five years, five years later, starring also Vanessa, Vanessa Alves, but produced by, by Galante, not produced by Ari Fernandes. Uh, the, the, the Jungle Prison movies shot uh, uh, that took place, for example, usually they took, they took place, in uh, uh, the Brazilian ones, somewhere in the, the Amazon jungle, and it was never shot in the Amazon. Uh, for example, Amazon GO2, the Conrado Sanchez movie, was shot in Paraty, uh, which is a beautiful historical city, uh, located between Rio and Sao Paulo. And Amazon J uh, uh, the corral de Mulheres Amazon J2, if I'm not mistaken was shot in the interior of Sao Paulo. Uh, uh, nowhere came close to the Amazon Jungle. Never. Uh, only, only free stock footage. But, but, but they didn't shoot there. Yeah, too expensive. And the movies were the movies were very, very cheap. Uh, um, anyway, we had the the jungle prison films, uh, and I, I, uh, the template. I, I mean, we, we could at least locate a template for these movies in the ones that Roger Corman produced in the Philippines, such as the the Jack Hill movies or the Sergio Santiago movies. I mean, the Big Bird Cage, the Big Doll House, uh, Black Mama, White Mama. Uh, anyway, uh, jungle prison movies, uh, uh, this one, for example, uh, follow, I, I think follows that line. We have the, 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 the naive girl who some, sometimes is, um, is wrongly uh, accused, wrongly incarcerated, uh, the, the huge amount of lesbian scenes, sex scenes, uh, uh, lesbian scenes, uh, the, the girls who fight for, for the, the silly reasons uh, possible only to take her clothes off. Uh, and the sadistic uh, uh, wardens, uh, male or female, in this, ca- in this case we have a, a le- so not, not exactly a warden, but we have a, a lesbian warden, who was played by Elizabeth Hartman. Uh, Maurício Duvalli almost plays himself, kind of a bigger than life character. Maurício was kind of a, uh, <laughs> kind of a Brazilian Oliver Reed, shall we say it, um, uh, but anyway, these, uh, uh, these jungle prisons. We also had in Italy uh, uh, some, some Jungle Prisons movie directed by Eduardo Molarja, uh, for example, that, that directed two films uh, with uh, uh, Anthony Ant- Ant- Stefan It was in these films. Uh, uh, and uh, these are very, all very similar, I think so. Uh, uh, the, the, the model is the same. Uh, later, I, rem- I, I think also Charles Band, for, for, for example, he bought the two Eduardo Mola films from Eduardo Sarlouis and uh, transformed in, in one single film with scenes shot by with um, with Linda Blair. Yeah. This scene here, with, w- where uh, where Mauricio uh, uh, rapes Elizabeth Hartman, is, 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 I think it's quite peculiar because it, it doesn't fit into the movie. Uh, with uh, uh, what they were talking before. I mean, it's very nicely shot as usual. Carcassa was a, a master director of photography. But it doesn't, it simply doesn't fit into the movie. It's just, uh, just to show uh, Elizabeth's body. Uh, uh, because th- th- there's no other reason for that. It's, it's <laughs> it doesn't make sense in the movie. But anyway, uh, these were the Brazilian whips. The, the prison movies and the, and the, the jungle prison uh, movies. I mean, a sub, uh, subgenre, inside the subgenre, if we, if we could say that. Uh, these movies, all, all for example, all of them made money. Uh, as I told before, uh, uh, Boca uh, 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 was born out of the co- combination of uh, talented technicians being unemployed uh, and they were getting to- together at the same places. Uh, some government-sponsored spon- measures to, uh, as incentives to, 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 to increase the, 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 uh, c- the cinema production in Brazil, as I told before. But the fact is that these films made money. They were hits. Uh, at the time, the tickets were very, very low. Uh, uh, and so huge crowds, most of them attracted, attracted huge crowds in the cinemas in downtown São Paulo or downtown Rio, and even yeah, yeah. in the interior. So sometimes the, the, these movies were so cheap that they paid themselves in the first first week or the, even the first weekend. Sometimes, uh, when you talk with the the, the producers of the time, uh, Galante, Claudio Cunha, who directed Snuff, uh, which was a, a kind of riff uh, and a much better film on the Michael Finley, on Michael Finley and Roberta Finley's Snuff, uh, all of them uh, uh, censored that. I look at that, the, the, the uh, Marabá cinema. Marabá was a huge cinema in downtown São Paulo. And I knew that from in the line, that in the first day, that the film was going to be a hit, and I was going to have my money back. Uh, so they, they knew exactly what was going to, to, to make money. Anyway, uh, so it was a, a, conjun- a conjunction of factors that uh, uh, government-sponsored sponsor- measures uh, this contact uh, uh, with, with the, 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 the public. Uh, uh, the producers knew uh, what what the public wanted to see. They they were, most of the times, they were part of of that same same crowd, because some of them, uh, Boca had a lot of of people who became really professional producers, such as the case of Palacios, Galante, uh, the MASP films, the producer of uh, uh, José Mojica Marins, Manuel Augusto Sobrado uh, uh, Pereira, who produced uh, Coffin Joe, was a professional producer, and several others. But there were also amateur producers, uh, the guy who was a farmer, who, the guy who was a gas station owner, and, uh, and they all made money, and, uh, because the, 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 the crowd went to see these movies. The ticket was cheap, and they were interested in these movies. Uh, Curral de Mulheres and the, the, the whip genre, not the whip genre, but this movie was made in a moment when Boca was beginning to fall. Uh, uh, the beginning of the decadence of Boca do Lixo is really when the when the hardcore sex films take over. Uh, At first they were huge hits. Uh, We had our first hardcore uh, porn film in 1984, which was Coisas Eróticas by Rafael Ross. But then uh, 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 it didn't last long. Uh, Four or five years later, it was much cheaper to to, to buy the rights of an American or, or a French film uh, you buy you buy it for peanuts, and you also had the VHS rights. It was much cheaper than to produce a, a, a Brazilian hardcore film. So the, 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 the some of the producers, the f- photographers, for example, a very talented photographer like Antonio Meliandi, who phot- wh- photographed uh, uh, several Walter Hugo Cui films, Antonio Meliandi went to porn. He directed and produced uh, hardcore porn. And uh, I remember when I when I did the documentary with him. He told, that, uh, in the end, we had to, to shoot an entire film in two days. Uh, so the quality was nothing, absolutely nothing. And by this time, by uh, uh, 1982, 1983, the, the, which was the year, for example, of Kuchal de uh, uh, the films were beginning to be quite, quite daring, much more daring, because there was a loosening of the, the, the state censorship. Uh, it was easier to, to pass through the censors. Uh, just a little bit. It was always a fight. Uh, to produce any kind of art under censorship is tough, and everybody complained about that. Uh, censorship did, uh, did not exist only for political movies, but also for the porno and several others. Mojica suffered through censorship. David Cardoso, uh, who, which was probably uh, probably Boca's leading man, uh, who was also—not only he was a uh, a leading actor, but he was a producer, who was a director, uh, owner of his own producing company. David suffered a lot in the, uh, uh, talking to censors and begging to censors to leave to, to leave certain scenes, not to cut it, because otherwise the movie would, would be cut to ribbons. So when, when porn when porn finally uh, uh, broke out uh, in 1984, uh, uh, most of the performers, uh, not the people behind the camera, the the cameras, but. Uh, most of the performances uh, they, they, they left the, the, the industry or went to TV or went to theaters or, they, or simply abandoned their, their careers. Uh, the leading actresses of Boca, who were the, the, the main interest of several moviegoers, I mean, because Boca had a star system, it's, 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 it's important to, to say that uh, 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 Boca was, was a place of not only the producers, we talk nowadays, uh, we talk so much nowadays about diversity, uh, Boca was a, was a place where uh, the diversity of films produced there was amazing. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, uh, and uh, all, of the, all of these actresses and actors uh, 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 disappeared. They, 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 they stopped working when Hardcore Sex took over. I mean, sometimes the, the, the directors, the, the photographers, the technical crew was the same uh, uh, on the porn movies but the actors were not. For example, when we, when we look at a film called, uh, when, when we look at the uh, de Mulheres, for example, uh, when we lo- look at the, the, the female cast, for example, Elizabeth Hartman, who plays the, the, the lesbian warden, uh, she was an important actress. She had done a, a lot of, of theater on TV, and uh, uh, also TV, uh, theater too, and, uh, and was a veteran actor, actress. Uh, Maurício Duvalli, for example, Maurício Duvalli uh, uh, had a a very, very long career. Maurício Duvalli plays Edgar, who is the leading slave trafficker in the film, the one with the the mustache and with with Nick Alexander's voice, with Doc Cleaver's voice. Uh, Maurício Duvalli was uh, was probably uh, in Brazil's most famous movie, which is Deus e Diabo na Terra do Sol, Black God, White Devil, by Glauber Roche. Uh, Maurício Duvalli plays the the, the part of the, the bounty hunter, the cangaceiro Hunter uh, uh, Antonio das Mortes, uh, who becomes, uh, who becomes the, 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 the protagonist in the second movie, O Dragão da Maldade contra o Santo Guerreiro. And of course, Maurício did, uh, he, he did not do porn. The actresses, for example, uh, uh, there was this excellent actress, Sandra Grayfi, who is the, 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 the blonde girl who is the leading actress in this movie. Uh, I forgot her name, the name of her character, but Sandra Grayfield, for example, uh, she, had her, her, uh, uh, she was uh, uh, unlucky, as I would say, because she arrived late in Boca. And if she arrived in the 70s, for example, she would, she would have a great run, but she arrived too late. And uh, by the time she arrived, the hardcore, hardcore sex movies were already appearing. So, so, she, so she, she, she didn't do a lot of movies. Uh, later, Sandra married to Galante's uh, uh, son. And uh, I think they had th- three children. Uh, so, be- so she became for, for a long time. She became a, a part of the Galanti family. Uh, Vanessa Alves, for example. Uh, Vanessa uh, uh, began with uh, uh, acting with Galante. Uh, Vanessa is one of the one of the three girls that uh, are later captured by by the bad guys in the waterfall. Uh, uh, she appears a lot in the second in the second part of the movie. Uh, Vanessa uh, uh, became a very important actress, uh, and she became a favorite of uh, Carlos Rachemba, who I, I have mentioned before. Uh, uh, Carlos Rachemba directed a film in 1986 called Anjos do Arrabalde which is a difficult title to translate, but it's about teachers uh, in a very poor uh, district in São Paulo. And Vanessa uh, won uh, uh, the, the Supporting Actress uh, Prize in the Gramado Film Festival, which at the time was just like the Brazilian Oscar; uh, it had that prestige, and, uh, 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 and she became. She was very young when she when she began acting for Galante. I think she was eighteen or nineteen when she when she played Emanuele's daughter for Galante and Carcasso Valdo de Oliveira. Uh, and she later matured into a, into a very very good actress. Uh, the, nowadays she's a, she's a dubbing director. And Vanessa is also in the other movie that uh, uh, Vinegar Syndrome is releasing, uh, Amazon Channel 2, Prisoners da Selva Amazônica, by Conrado Sanchez. Uh, The other actresses, for example, that played the the prisoners, uh, there is also Ligia de Paula, for example. Ligia is a brunette who was was also a respected theater actress, and uh, she appears nude in the film uh, in a lot of scenes, but uh, she was a respected theater actress, and she was the director, president. Uh, of the actors and the uh, technicians uh, and uh, movie technicians union in Sao Paulo for several years, several years. Uh, here uh, we saw a scene with uh, Sandra Gaffey. She's, the, she's the, girl who, who, the blonde girl who's talking to the guy. So these actresses, they, they would not go to, to hardcore. Uh, they would never go to hardcore. Another one, for example, uh, uh, Elis Cardoso, uh, who also appeared in, in a couple of David Cardoso's movies. Uh, she's in a very uh, uh, iconic uh, sequence of this film. Uh, that was the Brazilian poster where she, she has her body painted uh, quite at the end of the, the, the movie, much later than uh, we are now. Uh, anyway, none of these actresses went to do hardcore. All of them quit their careers, they, they, they abandoned their jobs, or they went to do theater, they went to do TV, or simply well, uh, they, they've gone to other professions. For in the case of Sadekif, for example, who stopped acting, but anyway, uh, the, so, such was the, the the end of Boca. And uh, nowadays, uh, it, it's sad to say, but for example, when you go to the to the old places that were then, uh, there's no production company anymore. There's, there there are no offices there anymore. Uh, uh, everybody has left there. The only the only production company that is still there is uh, cine district nowadays. It's called cineart which was owned by Oswaldo Massaini. Uh, Oswaldo Massaini, for example, just to to mention the diversity of Boca that I mentioned before, Oswaldo Massaini produced everything, uh, uh, including the the film by Anselmo Duarte, O Pagador de Promessas, uh, who won the Golden Palm, the Palm Door, at the Coney Film Festival in the 60s. Uh, And so he was a Palm Door winner. As a producer, he, he was the, the, the owner of the, the, the Golden Palm of the Cannes Film Festival, and he was a Boca producer. His offices are still there. Nowadays, uh, the, the, the firm is run by his son, Anibo Masaini, who is still producing documentaries and, uh, and films. Uh, but there is also a, a couple of uh, uh, equipment location films, uh, uh, equipment location companies, such as Centauro. Centauro, I think, is still there. Uh, But the place nowadays uh, uh, is totally taken by uh, computer shops, Uh, Soberano, for example, the bar where everybody met, where everybody signed their their contracts, became a a computer uh, supplier shop. And it also became a a place with a lot of crack addicts, such as, for example, what happened to 42nd Street. Uh, uh, and, and still nowadays is, it still happens uh, in Boca. If you go there, it's quite too sad to see during the days the, uh, the, the the people roaming the streets. One one guy that I, I would like to to talk a little bit more. Uh, in fact, I would like to, to talk a, li- a little bit more about the uh, the careers of uh, the three men that I mentioned: uh, Palacios, uh, Alfredo Palacios, Ari Fernandes, and Oswaldo de Oliveira. Oswaldo de Oliveira, I would like to talk the director of this movie, and also the photographer, I would like to talk uh, w- with a little bit more detail. But uh, Arif Fernandes was a, was a case of one of these guys that uh, uh, he was not interested to, to, to continue with the, the, the more daring films and the, and the hardcore pornography. For example, uh, 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 reading his biography, uh, which was released here in 2006, as I, as I mentioned before too, uh, you see that he was, uh, he did the movies such as Curral de Mulheres, Amazon Jail. He did other Poirotian Shadows, uh, such as O uh, Superman, uh, He did others, A Fabrica de Camisinhas, which translates as, as the, the Condom Factory. And he did all the, 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 these comedies. Uh, but he didn't like them. Uh, it was not his cup of tea, and, uh, and it's quite, uh, 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 easy to notice that that he was not happy producing it. So when hardcore pornography took over, he he he, he quit cinema, uh, for working basically in publicity or or, or other areas. Uh, he decided it, it was not for him anymore. Uh, the same not happened with Oswaldo Oliveira. Oswaldo Oliveira continued to, to photograph, but uh, Oswald was a was a very curious case. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, both Ari Fernandes and Alfredo do Palácio they they were responsible for the the first Brazilian TV series, and uh, they met Oswaldo de Oliveira in this TV series, probably earlier in Maristela. But uh, uh, their collaboration began really in the O Vigilante Rodoviário, the Highway Patrolman, that I mentioned before, uh, because Oswaldo shot most of the of the episodes of the series. I think he shot 34 or 35 of the season's 39 episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, here's a nice a nice explosion, uh, a nice explosion. Uh, quite well done. Uh, he, look how, how the, the night scenes are well shot. Uh, and this is the work the, the work of uh, Carcassa, certainly. But anyway, um, he uh, uh, was not happy doing it. Uh, Oswaldo continued and uh, uh, he met the, the, the two men uh, uh, Palacios he was already a friend of, but uh, he met during the, the production of O Vigilante Rodoviário as a photographer. And then later, h- the diversity of his career is unbelievable. I remember uh, talking to director uh, Carlos Rachambá, who was an extremely nice guy. He was a super intelligent guy, unfortunately, unfortunately for Brazilian cinema. He has already passed away. And I remember talking to Carlon as he was uh, uh, called by his, his friends and, uh, and, uh, and you know, uh, and, and all personal, all uh, technical crews called them Carlão, called him Carlon, and I remember called him uh, talking to Carlon once, and we were talking about Osvaldo Oliveira Carcass, uh, and he mentioned to me saying is the Brazilian hardhawks, Hawks, because he worked in, in everything, and, and he really did. Uh, and it's amazing how he was competent doing everything. He was fast, uh, he did it fast, he did it well, because sometimes when you, when you, when you had other photographers, uh, you see that uh, they didn't, uh, in 15 days, they could n- not deliver the quality that uh, Osvaldo uh, uh, delivered. So he was fast, uh, he was cheap. Uh, I remember in a, in a, also in an interview, Galante told him, oh, when uh, uh, Carcassa was directing for me, I gave him 20 cans of film negative. And that was enough, because there, there, there weren't a lot of takes. He knew what to do. He knew how to put the lights on. He knew what to do. He was fast. And Carcassa, uh, as I told you guys, he directed everything. He directed uh, spaghetti westerns, uh, almost spaghetti westerns, I think, <laughs> because they were shot in Brazil, sorry, shot in Sao Paulo. As, uh, as I mentioned before, rogo adeus e mando bala, pray to God and shoot. He directed uh, uh, whip films. The most famous of them, Bear Behind Bars, which is a, a, a worldwide success. Uh, oh, here here's a, a quite a daring scene with uh, Vanessa Alves and the Shirley Beni. Shirley Beni is the is the girl who who had also lesbian scenes with uh, with Elizabeth Hartman. But that was a quite daring scene even for the time. You see, the the, the there is a close over there, and the, which was quite daring for the time. But anyway. Uh, Osvaldo, Osvaldo directed the, the most famous Brazilian whip movie, uh, who was, uh, which was uh, uh, Bear Behind the Bars. Did, he directed Big Budget Epics, uh, O Caçador de Esmeraldas, The Emerald Hunter, uh, for the Masaini family. Uh, he, directed, he directed a porn film in, in the, the end of his career. Uh, he directed a, a smash pornochanchada hit, Os Garotos Virgens Gipanema, in 1973. Uh, which was one of the, the biggest hits for, for Galante. Os Garotos Virgens de Ipanema translates as the, the Virgin Boys of Ipanema. Uh, if you can imagine a, it, a, a much earlier Porky's version uh, uh, shot in Rio, mm-hmm. that would be a, an okay description. Um, he directed uh, uh, country movies, uh, there's not a, an exactly translation for that in, in Portuguese. We have a, 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 a word called caipira. Caipira would be country because he directed musicals with uh, with country stars at the time, and he directed a, a, a huge hit called Sertão em Festa, uh, uh, which is which is also tough to to translate. Uh, Sertão is a is a region in Brazil, uh, a kind of a desertic region. Uh, but it was a musical, and uh, it was also produced by Galante. Uh, he basically reinvented the cangasso film, which is a kind of Brazilian Western, shall we say. Uh, he directed a movie called O Cangaceiro Sanguinário, produced by Servicini, or Galante and Palacios. Uh, And Galante and Palacios, they were coming from a a flop at the time. I didn't know which film they had produced, but but it was a financial flop. And Carcaça, Oswaldo de Oliveira, directed for them, directed O Cangaceiro Sanguinário. Oh, the the guy that just tripped uh, over there when when uh, when he saw Elis Cardoso almost naked, He's uh, uh, this actor with the blue shirt. His name is Martus Matias. And he, he was very famous in Brazil because he was the voice of Fred Flintstone uh, uh, as a dubber. But anyway, uh, Carcassa, Carcassa directed all this and directed this, this film for Servicini called O Cangaceiro Sanguinário, The Bloody Cangaceiro, uh, which basically gave a second life to Servicini. Was in a bad financial situation because of the flop they had produced. I don't remember which film it was, and o cangaceiro uh, 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 the cangaceiro Sanguinário basically resurrected not only the Kangasso the Kangasu subgenre in Brazil, but also Servicini for for Galante and Palacios. When I talked to to Galante, he said that we didn't even even had money for for horses. We had we had just a couple of horses, because the. There are basically no horses in the film. But uh, Osvaldo knew how to handle uh, uh, the lack of a, of a bigger budget and do something interesting. And he was uh, that, that capable. One thing that was common is that uh, uh, the, his nickname, Carcaça, uh, which is almost impossible to translate, uh, several actresses complained that he had a, a horrible temperament, that uh, he was always in a terrible mood. Uh, I remember that uh, uh, Vanessa Alves uh, uh, remembered him very dearly, uh, uh, not the way that other actresses remembered, but uh, uh, everybody always remembered that Osvaldo as a Lucho Fulci type of uh, a director. Lots of screaming, lots of shouts, uh, lots of, lots of name calling, especially the actresses. But uh, 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 this is kind of a. a, a it varies from, 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 from the people that you, you talk with. Uh, some some actresses complained a lot. Uh, I've heard myself uh, a lot of these versions. Others uh, uh, talk talk to him very affectionately, very, uh, uh, very with uh, very dearly. Anyway, but uh, uh, he was known as a as a as a Lucho Fucci, Lucho Fucci type of director with lots of screaming, shouting, name calling. Uh, one of the 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 movies that uh, Oswaldo directed for, for Galante, I've never, I've never watched, uh, which is called uh, Fugitivas Insaciáveis, if, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. I don't remember this movie ever having a, a, a Brazilian VHS release. Uh, some of the others, for example, A Prisão, Bear Behind Bars, was released on VHS here later, but uh, Fugitivas is, is a film I, I don't even know which also give, gives a, a, a this kind of a statement about uh, uh, film preservation of exploitation movies in Brazil. I don't know if the film still exists. Uh, I think even Galante doesn't know where the negative is or, or, or where the copies are. Um, and it's like a kind of funny scene because the, the, they're scared of pigeons. Anyway, after all, they, they went through, they're scared of pigeons. But anyway, uh, uh, of the, 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 the 10 movies that, um, that uh, Galante, at least the 10, uh, ten I remember, t- I remember ten movies, uh, ten week movies that Galante produced. Uh, uh, one of them is uh, Fugitivos, which uh, 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 I don't know if it if it exists anymore. I, uh, I really have no idea. Uh, probably in São Paulo, in, in the archive of São Paulo. But for example, we don't have a, 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 a copy. Uh, Galante uh, uh, rarely signed as a, as a director. Uh, uh, I'm talking about Galante because you know, he was the king of Boca. Uh, he was the rei da Boca. He was the king. He also also the king of the whips. Uh, although he didn't produce the, the, this movie, but the, the people that did this movie are so connected to Galante. Uh, obviously, I'm talking again about Palacios, Fernandes, Vanessa Alves. Uh, uh, they're so connected to Galante that uh, it's impossible not to talk about him. Uh, but. Um, uh, uh, the first one that he, he, he produced, uh, uh, the direction, uh, credit, the, the direction was by Luis Castellini, which was also a director in Boca, uh, a competent director in Boca, but uh, they, they, had a, they had a fight during the, the film, and Galanti, Galanti fired Castellini. I think Castellini gives another version, but, uh, but uh, Galanti said that he fired him. And uh, Galante completed the film also, uh, if I, also, with carcass, if I'm not mistaken. He completed the film. The film was called Presidio de Mulheres Violentadas, Prison of, Prison of Rapid Women. Uh, is, a, is a kind of literal translation, uh, which was the first one after Servicinho, the company that he had with Palacios, uh, folded in 1976. Uh, this was one of the first releases after Servicini folded uh, one of the, the movies that uh, uh, he, he produced was a uh, uh, that was one of know uh, uh, it, it was the first one the one with Casilini uh, which uh, which uh, Casilini left uh, halfway through the production uh, which the star was Esmeralda uh, Barros and Esmeralda uh, was a was a Brazilian actress that, that had a, a career in Italy and uh, she did westerns with uh, Demophlu Fidani, Miles Dean, and uh, she is also in a in a film with Mark Damon and, uh, and Rosalba Neri, directed by Luigi Batzella, uh, El Plenilunio della Vergine. Uh, anyway, uh, but uh, she had uh, quite a career in uh, uh, in, 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 in Italy, and uh, she was the star because she, she had just came back from Italy, and uh, she was a kind of a, a coupe from to, to, uh, that Galante had uh, that, uh, he, uh, that, uh, to get her to star his film. And uh, 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 I think that the, the only whip movie that uh, Galante uh, uh, failed was uh, uh, one directed yeah. by Alfredo Sternheim, uh, which was called As Prostitutas do Dr. Alberto, Dr. Albert's Prostitutes, uh, 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 literal translation, uh, which was not a hit. And I remember that Galanti claimed that the title was wrong. That uh, uh, he missed the uh, uh, the problem was the Brazilian title. Uh, The other titles were more uh, were more uh, how can I say exploitative, uh, uh, and uh, people didn't understand that it was it was a prison film. And one interesting uh, film, not about Corral de Mulheres, for example, or the other, uh, or. Prisoners of the Amazonica, for example, which, which is sh- which is shot in the interior, not in the Amazon. Okay, these movies never t- uh, t- took place. They never even approached the Amazon. But uh, uh, the prison sets that were used by Galante in his films, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he, he, they were built for commercials. They were built for uh, one. He had leased one of his studios to a um, to a. Um, a marketing company to a marketing uh, and they, they built a prison set and uh, uh, he used that the, the, the prison sets again and again so imagine it was, it was very very cheap very very cheap so uh, to get your money back uh, it was quite a, a, a he had a recipe to, to get his money back to get his investment back so uh, as Boca was coming to to an end um, Osvaldo, I I think he was still working when when he passed away. Uh, But Osvaldo uh, died relatively young, uh, and he didn't have a lot of money, especially when you see see the the recipes uh, of his films. Uh, Anyway, his work as a photographer, or his work as a director, uh, and never received his it was never recognized, for example, when you, when you watch documentaries about Brazilian photographers, you watch, you, 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 saw the, the, you see the same names over and over again, the, the people from Cinema Novo, uh, the people from Rio. Uh, and for example, you, you don't see the name of Osvaldo, uh, which is kind of a sad. Uh, uh, the name of uh, Antonio Meliandi, for example, also, was a very good photographer. You also don't see him, oh, and Meliandes shot so much stuff for, for Walter Hugo Curi, and uh, beautiful, beautiful lightning, absolutely beautiful lightning. And other photographers that, uh, that worked in Boca, such as Claudio Portioli, anyway, all of them have, pass- have passed away. Ali Fernandes, as I told you uh, uh, before, and uh, uh, his company produced this film, uh, after he, he parted, way, parted ways with Palacios, uh, way back, after the vigilante Rodoviário, he founded the company Procitel, uh, which was Produções Cinematográficas e Televisivas, uh, uh, TV and cinema productions, uh, which existed until the the, the the day he passed away. I don't know if if the the company still exists on paper, but uh, Prosetel existed the, the day, until the day he died. He also had another company uh, called uh, Brasecrã, but uh, uh, it, it didn't last long for him. I think he, he, he stayed three years in that company. It was a partnership. It was very common in that, in that time to be partners. And that was also uh, another recipe for the, the success of the of films, to have a partnership with the exhibitors. Yeah, that, that was fundamental. Uh, the exhibitors put 50% of the money, 40% of the money. They, 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 they made a... a kind of uh, 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 putting the, the, the money before the movie, before the movie was shot. Uh, uh, and So the, 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 the theater owners, they put this money. And Boca operated this way. Why? Because Boca was not uh, was not state-sponsored. For example, we had, uh, uh, from the 50s on, we had uh, INC, Instituto Nacional do Cinema. Uh, later, we had EmbraFilm, which was the, the state company responsible for singing. uh and uh, none of the, for example, a film it didn't put a penny on, on, on Bocus films. Uh, there was a rivalry between uh, São Paulo and Rio uh, uh, when we spoke about when we speak about movie business, uh, uh, which was never quite productive uh, uh, anyway. It, it's, it's tough to understand, but uh, I, I think it still exists nowadays. It, it might be incredible, but uh, at the time it was very strong. So you didn't see a lot of... Uh, uh, only, for example, Walter Gucuri's movies, sometimes they had... Uh, they were distributed by Embraer Film, uh, by the, the state company. But uh, only the, the distribution, for example, they were not produced by... So book film, especially the, the exploitation movies, and uh, the, the horror films, the westerns, they didn't have the... the, the uh, the, 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 the seal of the state sponsorship. Never, never. Sometimes, as I told you, o- on distribution. Uh, Embra Film was not a theater owner. Uh, Embra Film didn't own cinemas, but uh, she was a strong, strong distribution company. Embra Film was, was uh, only finished uh, in 1990, uh, which was a terrible year for Brazilian cinema. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, Boca Films operated in a different level. It was uh, 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 only private money. Uh, the investors were the exhibitors. It was very common. It was a, it, it was a, a, a great recipe because everybody won. Uh, the exhibitors knew that the, the, the movies were profitable. Uh, and and, and the, uh, the producers had the, the, the money before the, the film was shot. So they had the, the money to shoot the film. For example, uh, there was one of the, the biggest exhibitors in Sao Paulo, in Empresa Sul Paulista, uh, Sul Paulista Company, uh, which was owned by Francisco Lucas Neto and Paulo Sapinto. Uh, and this gentleman invested in a lot of Boca do Lixo films. Uh, invested before the movie was shot, of course. Uh, because they knew it was profitable. And uh, that was a, one of the key ingredients for the su- success and for the and, and to understand why Boca do Lixo happened. Uh, all of this, uh, uh, as I told before, when it came to, to, to an end, uh, these people uh, began, uh, began to, to, to uh, get out of the business. As I told you, uh, uh, Ari Fernandes m- uh, uh, made a comeback. Uh, he was, for a couple of weeks, he was a, a, a kind of a production manager on a remake of O Cangacilho, of a, a film by Veracruz uh, directed by Lima Barreto, one of the biggest hits of Brazilian cinema. Uh, and, but the, the remake is pretty bad, it's it's not a good movie and uh, and uh, it was shot in the interior of Bahia and Ali Fernandes was sick and uh, he came back to São Paulo, he didn't stay for, for the, the, the entire shooting of the film. Uh, I think that, that was his last cinema experience. Palacios became a, a, a man of, uh, of movie politics, uh, he was very uh, well connected, he um, he was later, if I'm not mistaken, a, a, a director of uh, Cuncini, uh, which was kind of a regulament, regulamentation organ in, or, uh, in, Brazilian, in Brazilian culture. And uh, you can see, for example, when you, when you look at the uh, speeches for, for, from events, of cinema events uh, with producers and the exhibitors, and the, uh, uh, um, the Palacios Osola present. He was always making speeches and the uh, statements, and and when you read his speeches, you see that he was a a, a, ve- a man with a very clear vision. You know, uh, uh, some of the problems that he mentioned for Brazilian films on the on the 70s, uh, he had a very acute vision of the of the business. Uh, he he obviously, he knew how to produce, but uh, from quite some time, he was the, as I told before, that. Uh, uh, it's a bad comparison, but kind of nikolson sonarkov and uh, uh, he was the intellectual of the of the the two of them of uh, when he was partnered with Galante. and uh, he he knew how the business worked. Oh, this character is very nice. Uh, the the man dressed in white, uh, played by Rocky Rodriguez. The, the name of the actor is Rocky Rodriguez. It uh, kind of reminds me of a, a, a Fitzcarraldo figure. I mean, it's, it's so weird. Uh, uh, um, with the the absolutely impeccable white white suit and the white umbrella in the middle of the jungle uh, but anyway not, not, not really a jungle but in the middle of the of the woods uh, and it's funny because he has a the, the cook that uh, that appears in, 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 a, in a quite in, in several scenes that it's the the stereotypical homosexual in uh, in Brazilian films of uh, Brazilian exploitation films of the time uh, kind of the, this very, very affected and, uh, and feminine uh, homosexual. Uh, it was common at the time. Vanessa Alves and the, the other actresses also gave up. Maurício Mauricio, Mauricio Duvali, for, uh, uh, for example, not gave up, but uh, Vanessa, for example, later became a dubbing director. Maurício Duvalli, for example, um, uh, uh, he, he passed away, he, he was working on TV. Uh, had a sad ending, uh, as I told his Edgar is the, the, the man-slave trafficker who dies in the, the explosion of the jeep. Um, and uh, he had diabetes and he had uh, one of his legs was amputated and uh, on the, on the, I think on the day he amputated his second leg, he passed away. And uh, I mean, he, he was not even 70, I think he was six, 66 or 67 years old. Anyway, so m- most of the people that, uh, that are connected to, to, to the movie have, uh, have passed away. I mentioned Ligia, Ligia de Paula, one of the, the actresses before. She also passed away. Carcaça, Ari Fernandes, Alfredo Palacios, anyway. And Boca is, is no more, too. So uh, we, we don't have it. So in, in this kind of cinema in Brazil also has disappeared. Uh, we don't have it anymore. Uh, 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 and uh, there's still a, a, the fact that that we need an American company to, to I'm so happy to to see a a beautiful copy of the movie, but at the same time, it's sad to see that it doesn't come from Brazil. It it was not a a, a, a Brazilian, some Brazilian that that put money on the restoration said, oh, these movies are worthwhile, because their value was never uh, acknowledged. Uh, The critics were extremely harsh, extremely harsh when these films were released. Uh, All of them, all of them. Since the beginning of the porno chanchada, the the reviews were terrible. The crowd went to see them, but the the, the reviews were the the worst possible reviews. And uh, uh, it's a kind of buried cinema in Brazil nowadays. If you want to see uh, uh, most of the films I mentioned uh, in my commentary, uh, you have, most of them will be accessible. Uh, I mentioned the Fugitivos Insatiáveis by Carcassa, which I've never seen it, uh, so I don't even know if it exists anymore. But, uh, For example, even Ai Fernandes, as I mentioned in the beginning of the commentary, he thought that this film was lost. He wrote that in his book. It's written there, that he sold to a Chinese man that that, that this man disappeared with the the negatives. Uh, And uh, so uh, even if the ones that you manage to see, to to watch nowadays, uh, sometimes there were VHS transfers, Uh, uh, anyway, we, which, is, which is terrible, uh, I mean, we, we can, I think that we are unable to understand that, that they were a product of, of a certain era, uh, and th- that they made success, and they are part of the, of the history of Brazilian cinema. Uh, and uh, uh, anyway, th- th- there's a kind of a denial of, of, of this cinema, which was extremely, uh, as I told you, uh, such a word now uh, that nowadays is so commonly used, uh, diversity, uh, it was such a diverse cinema. For example, even in a whip, whip film, uh, that you can also say, oh, the, the whip films exist only for for uh, showing naked women and their, their perfect bodies. Uh, uh, the women, at the end, they, they fight back and they, they defeat the aggressors. And, for example, the, the, the hero, the male hero, if we can say so, of this film, is extremely ineffective. Uh, the girls are the ones that uh, that uh, 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 turned uh, the tide against their oppressors. Uh, So anyway, uh, it's a denial of of this cinema, uh, that uh, uh, it was so diverse with uh, horror, with uh, suspense, thrillers, action films, uh, thrillers, uh, all kinds of movies, all kinds of movies. So uh, I'm glad to see that uh, 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 at least a project like this that, that is that recuperates uh, 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 not, not one, but two uh, uh, Brazilian films. And the other being uh, Conrado Sanchez, uh, 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 Prisoner da Selva Amazônica. Uh, but the sad thing is that we have to, 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 to go away from our country to, to see them in a pristine copy. Uh, uh, it's difficult to find even, for example, the, 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 the Portuguese track. We are, we are listening to, a, to an English uh, audio track. Uh, the, part, the the movie did, uh, did not have a direct sound. Uh, it was also dubbed in Portuguese. For example, uh, even Maurício Duvalho, who had a, I think Maurício Duvalho was dubbed, and he had a very reco- recognizable voice. I've heard snippets of the Brazilian uh, track, and I think he was, already, uh, he was dubbed. But anyway, it was not uh, shot, uh, it was shot MOS. Uh, it was totally dubbed uh, uh, later. But uh, it's, it's impossible to, 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 to find the, the original Brazilian track. And it's unbelievable. It's, it's it's quite it's quite unbelievable to, to 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 even to try to understand that. But anyway, uh, 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 the movie is coming to an end. Uh, uh, there's the famous uh, uh, body paint uh, uh, sequence, which is a uh, which is uh, a name to the film, where uh, the, the actress uh, Elise Cardozo uh, dances with her her body painted, and which is uh, as I told you it was the the Brazilian poster for the film. Uh, but I'm, I'm finishing my commentary track uh, here. Uh, hope, hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please forgive me for uh, any mistakes, uh, any English mistakes. I know there will be many, but uh, English is not my first language. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed. I hope that uh, if you do not know about uh, uh, Brazilian Brazilian cinema and Brazilian exploitation, that uh, it, it that was a, a good a good beginning for you and, uh, and search other uh, uh, Brazilian movies of the time, uh, not, not only the ones that were uh, internationally acclaimed in, uh, while well recognized in festivals, but, uh, but, but also there were the ones that were sold everywhere, uh, that traveled uh, all over the world, uh, whether from Boca in São Paulo or whether from the Beco in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, Beco was kind of, a, here, here in Rio de Janeiro, was kind of a smaller version of Boca, uh, produce a well, we la, Guys, uh, much smaller quantity of films. But, uh, for example, a movie produced in Rio, such as Gisele, uh, there's a book, uh, I think it was uh, by Head Press editing, Head Press publishing, ah, uh, oh, here it is, uh, Suburban Bread House, uh, from Staten Island to Times Square and all the leads between. The author is Nick Cato. Uh, he opens the book talking about uh, Gisele, which was distributed in the United States by 21st century, which at the time, I think, was owned by Menahan Golan, And uh, the producer of the film, Carlo Mossi, s- says that he was in New York, uh, walking past through 42nd Street, and he, s- he saw the, the movie that, uh, the, the, that he produced over there with an English track. And so th- these movies traveled all over the world. And uh, uh, hopefully other copies will, will begin to surface and... and uh, and other companies will will also begin to 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 invest in, uh, in, in recuperating these movies uh, going back to the original negatives and uh, so that we, we can enjoy them in the, in the way they were intended to to be seen uh, the way the, uh, that, that a professional like carcassa uh uh intended them to be seen to be watched uh, so i leave them uh, i leave i leave the i leave all of you guys with the, with the gorgeous elise cardoso uh with her body painted uh dancing to the to the tune of the drums. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed. Over and out that's all we needed girls. Another group of men to join the miners. Come on, things can't get any worse than they are already. Come on, you guys, let's make a move. The priest is busy. I say we help ourselves to the girls, hmm? Slow down, fella. Those men could be the police. If they are, shit hits the fan. It won't hurt us to wait a while longer. You won't need your guns. You'll naked without them, father. I give the orders around here. And I ask you not to forget that. Not one of my men is armed. I will not permit my organization to be ruined by a bunch of stupid girls. But those girls belong to us? They also belong to the men. They were hunted and caught in the woods. Finders keepers, you've got to have heard that saying. (laughs) Come on, father. Let the women out and we'll go in there and get them ourselves. Let the women out and we'll get them ourselves. Well, did you hear that? festivities dedicated to Satan are ready to start. Would you like to watch? Listen, I'm about to give you a woman I think you will enjoy. Well, you better get out there, Liz. Get ready to jump into action as soon as the men are watching the dance. That'll be the moment to put our plan into action. Now start the festivities! This is the time to do something. Okay, let's start the fun. Betty, will be dangerous? If you're scared, stay here. Don't be so chicken. Let's get down there. She wants me to stay here and help her spend all the money she's made these past few (laughs) years. (laughs) Hey, kid, come on, let's get out of here. Bon voyage, amigo. I'm going to stay here with Betty. We promised each other we'd start all over. Take care of yourselves. I know you'll find happiness. I miss you girls already. Don't forget to write. Take care. You too. Nice couple, really. And not a bad kiss, either.